Who knew ex the announcements could be so fun? <laughs> Hallelujah. About the bikes, we have raised um, approaching $11,500 towards the bikes. Thank you for everyone that is given. My estimate is um, $125. We were able to get a deal, and it's $125 average. Um, and we have 103 bikes to give to schools. We have two bicycles in this church that we're going to give away. And somebody asked me this morning about two more. So we might be doing 107. So awesome. And... Uh, on the Monday and Tuesday, we're probably the best, the, the thing we're going to be doing is probably checking all the tires and pumping up the tires on that Monday and Tuesday. So we don't need an air compressor to blow the tires. We need the hand pumps to pump them up. Hallelujah. Children, you may be dismissed for Sunday school. Actually, if you could just stand still, children. Who here is a teacher? Who's a teacher here? If, you, if the teachers could stand up and wave your hands, even if you're not teaching now, but if you've taught or you're on the, on the circuit or on the schedule, if, if on the circuit, you're, we're circuit riders. I want to I thank all those that teach our children. We also have a huge contingent on the schedule that does the nursery. We could not do what we do without you. So I want to thank everyone that's involved, and I want to encourage those of you that aren't involved, consider teaching Sunday school or even doing a service in the nursery. Amen? Thank you. You may, you may be excused. I still remember some of the Sunday school teachers I had. And by the way, I had some men that taught me. Okay? So guys... I want to encourage you. you. I had guys that left an impression on me, and I still know their names. I know Mr. Owens, Mr. Kostanak. These, these guys, they, they left an impression in my life from, from my childhood. So I want to encourage men. I want to encourage men to volunteer. Uh, we don't like to use the word volunteer. We like to use the word participate and serve in, in seeing children's lives being affected. Okay, sorry. Yes. The bicycle giveaway, yes. Thank you, honey. On the Wednesday and the Thursday, the food bank um, had originally scheduled a seminar, and that was canceled. They were going to participate in one. So they have their staff available on the Thursday and the Wednesday. And we have four schools, and what we're going to do is we're going to go to two schools a day. So we've got word from three of the schools, and we're going to pray that the fourth school fits in. They know the dates. But what we're going to do is we're going to meet here. The food bank has three vehicles. We might need one or two more trucks, but they have a cube van, a three-ton cube van, and then regular vans, so they have a lot of space to carry the bikes. And we're going to meet here at like 12.30 on the Wednesday. And what I'm going to do is we're going to split up, and we're going to go half of us with one group from the food bank to one school and half of us with the food bank to another school. 
And so we're going to have Pastor Daniel and Pastor Brenda taking care of one side and Pastor Winona and me taking care of another. And we're going to have everyone that's available, Pastor Nelson and Pastor Louise. I'm calling and asking and begging for your use. And, but, well, I might split them up. I, I, I know when they get together, yeah, they talk more than... But so what we're going to do, we're going to meet here at 1230 on the Wednesday and 1230 on the Thursday. We're going to load up the vehicles and then we're going to go to the schools and the schools have us roughly between two and three. So we want to get there early to put the bikes, whether we put them in the gym or wherever we put them, we have to work with the schools. There is protocol for any group, not just us as a church, but any group to be in the schools. So we are going to submit to what the principals say. And we're not there to witness and to have a salvation rally. We are there to have a bike rally and to give them bicycles. And, and we're going to love on them and we're going to smile, smile, and we're going to give God's love to these children and we're going to see God impact and touch children. I was talking to somebody last week and they said, you know what's going to happen? And they were talking to me, one of the members in the church here, and he, and he said to me, and, and I hadn't even thought of this, but he says, what you're doing in that one day is going to be a memory that they have their whole life. Think about that. It, it hit me. I hadn't even thought of that. But he said, they're going to remember a bicycle. Some of these children, it will be their first bicycle they ever received. And that's going to go with them the rest of their life. That's the impact that each one of us gets to have in the life of a child. And they might grow up and they might talk to somebody one day and just say, you know what? Yeah, th these people gave me a bicycle. And every time that story is told, what they're going to do is they're going to give glory to God, whether they realize it or not. And so I, don't just think of it as a one-day thing. This, this, this can have an impression on a child that will last them a lifetime. I, I did not even think of it that way. And that hit me last week. That, don't, I've been thinking of just looking at the wheels, smelling the rubber. And this guy says, no, think long-term. So that's awesome. Wow. Worship. Did anybody enjoy worship this morning? Before worship this morning, God gave me this interesting thing. I, I mentioned it to Pastor Nelson. I was sitting in the office this morning, and um, God gave me, I believe, I'm, and I'm going to go with it, a word of knowledge. Is anybody okay with that? I'm not going to ask you to stand up, and I'm not going to, I'm just going to share it. If you identify with, with it, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and I'm going to pray for you. Um, but I'm sitting in the office, and all of a sudden, I saw on the south side of the church. So everybody gets out of their chairs and runs to the south side of the church. But I saw in this area, somebody that is bound up tight, wound up tight, got their knickers in a knot, as somebody would say, with stress. So, um, also, <laughs> I'm, are you okay if I try something I've never tried before? I have the numbers. <laughs> God help me. <laughs> 
I've got the number 6548. I don't know if that means anything. I don't know if it means a year. I don't mean, know if it means an address. I don't know if it means a significant day. But the number 6548, that God gave me that number. Does that make sense to anybody? And it's okay if it doesn't. I'm, I'm learning. So I'm, I, I got a sermon to preach anyway, so I, I mean, I'm just going to keep going. But I want to submit that to you. But I believe there's somebody on this side that is stressed out. You are so stressed out that if somebody says good morning to you an octave low or an octave high, you almost pounce on them. Is, is, does this resonate at all? Okay. I'm, yes? I did mention to Pastor Nelson if he had anything to feel free to, to share this. I just sense the stressed out is that you're not going where you want to go in the spirit. Anybody like that? The Lord showed me one of you out here. Don't be afraid. Your expectations are just not coming the way you think they should come. And in your heart, you're saying, when? Some of you are wondering, is that me? Would you like me to point you out? Okay, I won't. But we're going to pray. Yes? You're just messing with me now. Okay. I'll take it. <laughs> Amen. We're going to pray. I'll pray for you, Tainan. Just stretch forth your hands. And if there's anybody else that identifies that, um, we're going to trust and we're going to believe that God is going to do something. So, Lord, I just speak release right now. I speak an untying and an unwinding and an undoing of the rope of tension. And I release it now in the name of Jesus. The name that is above all other names. And we invoke the name, we declare the name, and we speak the name of Jesus over that Tainan right now. Lord, and over anybody else that is battling with stress and situations that they can't handle. And we speak it and we declare it right now in your name. Amen. Amen. Next time, sit where you think you should sit, Tainan. <laughs> I can only say that because he's my nephew and I can tease him. Hallelujah. I wrote down a few thoughts this morning. I'm, I've, I've got a, some thoughts going through my mind. There's more, than hap- there's more than happens in worship than, than I think we actually realize. I'm, I'm expecting people to get healed in worship that they don't even realize they're healed till the next situation comes up where that would happen and all of a sudden it's like, huh, my leg was okay. Or I was able, 
I was able to reach. I couldn't reach before. And I believe in the atmosphere or in the presence of worship, there's something that happens in the miraculous realm. And this morning, there was things happening. There were words spoken. There were songs sung that I don't just believe were picked. Okay? We don't just sit down and look and say, what's in the key of D or H? But we, we, those of you who are musicians get that one. I'm not a musician. But we don't just sit down and say, I've got to fall. God speaks to the, the, the worship leaders, and we're not just singing songs. We've talked about worship a lot, but worship is not just singing a song. It's not just, here's my set list, let's ramp this up, let's have a great time. Worship is communion with God. Worship is a time of reverence and awe to the creator of all. And it's in these moments that things happen. It's in the presence of God that situations happen, miracles happen, and sometimes, as, as, as I've heard uh, Pastor Bill Johnson say, it's almost like it's an accident that happens. A miracle happens accidentally. It's like, I didn't even realize that was going to happen. But because we're in his presence and we're fellowshipping with him and we're honoring him, things happen that we don't even schedule, plan, or even realize is happening. The first time somebody got touched by the, the shadow of Peter, they didn't have that figured out. Can you imagine you walking into a store, doing whatever you're going to do, you leave, and all of a sudden somebody in the store goes, oh, huh, my shoulder's better. And, and you don't even have a clue. They don't even have a clue. I mean, can you imagine them when, when Paul is working in the sweat and his body and they, somehow somebody got a touch of his clothing and got healed? And then they go, how did that happen? I don't know. But it's through worship. It's through his presence. It's through intimacy. It's through spending time with him. It's through being immersed in God that the situations and the atmospheres or your environment changes because you're in an attitude of worship and an attitude of reverence and honor before the king. Don't expect a miracle if you're not expecting to walk in the power of God. Come on. If you want to see something happen, then you walk in his power and walk in his anointing. And by the way, that's easier than you think. Because he's already provided the work. He's already done the work. It's already inside of you. And it's a matter of us realizing the power that God has placed inside of us. And the authority that we have that we can distribute what he's given us. So I've got a few thoughts this morning I want to tell you. We sang the song, Break Some of the Chains. Break a few of the chains. At his name, a couple of chains will break. Is that what the song says? Is that what the word of God teaches us? What does it teach us about the power of his name? How many chains will break? Every chain. Man, think about that. Who here has a chain that needs to be broken? You shouldn't raise your hands because it was broken this morning in worship. <laughs> I just had to get that in. But that's the attitude. At his name, chains break. 
At his name, cancer is broken. At his name, depression leaves. At his name, poverty is tackled and beat. There's no lack. At his name, fear is gone. At the sound of his name, things happen. Sometimes I think unbelievers probably get more for their bang when they use his name. Then we sang, you are everything my heart wants. And that was, everything I want is found in him. Every single thing that I want and I need is found in him. Look at somebody and say everything. Everything. Finances. Come on. I don't know about you, but I'm saying a huge hallelujah there because I kind of like to have some money. It's a whole lot more fun than not having it. That was a good place for an amen. Finances. Health. Health. Don't satisfy, don't live with a condition that is less than what God has said for you. Man, I don't even, if you're not, if you got the snuffles, do you believe God can heal it? Snuffles, sniffles, snuffleupagus. If you got the sniffles, my childhood's coming through. If you've got the sniffles, you don't have to settle to stay there. Sometimes I, we have watered down Jesus and we've made excuses for him when actually we need, I think we need to chase after him harder. We need to, we need to say, I don't care what the crowd says. He's the one that's got the answer. And I'm going to do everything I can to touch him, to get near him, to be around him. Because I found when I'm around Jesus, things change. Have you ever seen a child run to their parents? They haven't seen their parents for a while. Somebody posted, I think it was you, Patsy, had posted or shared this picture of these military veterans coming home for, on furlough or back from their tour of duty or whatever that was, and they show up and they see their children. And they surprise their kids. And some of these were in base or football stadiums. And this child is standing there, and there's thousands upon thousands of people watching. And that child drops everything and runs to dad. They couldn't care less about what people said, what people saw, or what people were thinking. Sometimes I think we need a hunger after God that says, I don't care how I look. I don't care if I look silly running after him. David, he was the king. He was the king. 
And he was so excited about God's presence and having the ark that he danced before him and, and before the ark and before God, and he was dressed in not kingly attire. And then when he's confronted about it, he says, you know what? I'll even do this, in a, I'll do this undignified. A few, few weeks ago, I preached on, on worship some expressions of worship, and as I was meditating on it, I preached and I shared that, that our worship is extravagant. But it's not extravagant because we're extravagant. It is extravagant because he's extravagant. It, it, it's not because I'm extravagant. It's because of what he's done, and he's extravagant. And because he's so extravagant, he doesn't just say, give me your five, five loaves and your two fish, and, 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 and let's, let's see what happens. He says, you know what? Give them to me, and there's going to be baskets left over. God isn't just satisfied to take care of your need. He has got more than enough. You can't exhaust God's goodness. You can't exhaust the abilities of God. He is extravagant, and because he's extravagant, my worship to him reflects who he is. He's excessive. My God is excessive. He died for the whole world from, it's, I can't even figure it out. It says from the foundation of the world, before the foundations of the world, the lamb was slain. I mean, he says, you got to forgive 70 times 7. And he referred to that for one day. That's a little excessive. But my worship to him is excessive, not because I'm excessive, because he is excessive. And my worship to him is extreme. It's not because I'm extreme. I am far from extreme. But he is so extreme that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him will not perish. That's extreme. He said, I've got one son and I'm going to give him for everybody and he will make the way where there is no way. That's pretty extreme. So when we worship and we get extreme, and it's, it's not because solid rock, it's not because David or somebody else is extreme. Well, that's just him because he's extreme. No, I get extreme in my worship because he is extreme. He is. We can't even imagine the king of kings the Lord, the Savior of all. He says, I'll take on the form of a man, the likeness of man. I mean, he, he was infinite. That's pretty extreme. So I come to the thought of worship, and I've been thinking about this a lot. And about a month ago, Pastor Winona and I were in, were in San Diego, and we were actually chatting with a pastor there, and he made this phrase. And we were talking after a service, and they, they had led worship. Powerful time of worship and just a powerful anointing. And we were talking about worship, and he used this phrase, and it just hit me. He said, well, for us, our worship is our true north. And I thought, wow. So I want you to think with me for a few minutes. What does that mean? Our worship, our worship is true north. I have a little bit of background with drafting. 
And one of the things about drafting is when you do a site plan, you always indicate where north is. Pastor Brenda's laughing. I, was, I, I didn't want to go there, but since she laughed, she gave me permission. <laughs> we will make drawings because whenever Pastor Winona or Pastor Brenda wants something done, I will make a drawing of it because that's how I think. And so I'll make a sketch, and I'll draw where the house is, and then I'll draw where this goes and that. And then we sit down, and she goes, so which way are we looking? And we'll take the map. Where's the house? Where am I sitting right now? And which way am I looking? But, you know, that's what the north symbol does. It orientates you. And every map has either the north symbol or it is understood, and I found this as I was studying this week, or it is understood which direction north goes. And the reason why they don't always put it on there is because it is a given in the cartography language and in drafting language that north is always the top direction on the map. So they say you don't even necessarily have to put it because the layout will automatically be orientated according to north. So I want to show you a couple maps. Cora, I don't know if you can see it there, but you've got map number two. Could you show that one? It's a black and white one. Does anybody know where this is? Pardon me? Pardon me? Upside down. Could you show the other one? Ah. You know what we did? We reorientated the map. I don't know about you, but every day, or every day, and it wasn't every day, but all through my school, every time I looked at this map, I saw it in this orientation. That's what worship does to your life. It orientates you. And now you can say, where am I? Well, I'm just right above this little spot right here. That's for Pastor Brenda's benefit. <laughs> but what it does is that symbol orientates and establishes where it goes. What I find amazing about this is that symbol has nothing to do with the land and yet it has everything to do with the land. That symbol doesn't mean much to a little piece of land there. But if you take that piece of land, you have to orientate it according to the north. When you lay it out. Could you show the first one that I had there? Anybody ever? This, does this bring back memories? This, 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 is, this is what I grew up drawing. I grew up drawing things like this. A treasure map. And you'd see where the treasure was. Wherever it was. I don't even see it, but it's at the top. And then you put an X. And you say this is... But you notice what they do? They have the little north. 
they ever watch a show and they take out a map and they'll take the map out and they'll orientate it. In your life, everything you do, when you orientate it with worship, you know what happens? It gets turned and manipulated and positioned in the correct way. Because your worship is your orientation. Your finances. If you want to see your finances change, orientate them through worship. And what happens is when you worship God, your finances, and they will come into... Yeah, it takes work. It takes an alignment. It takes things. But what happens is now all of a sudden those things start to shift and change because I'm worship. Your family. Don't just spend a day with your kids, but spend a day and have an attitude of worship as you spend time with your children. It will change the way you talk to them. It will change the way you spend time with them. Worship orientates you. Everything I do, and I'm talking myself here, has to be established and arranged and positioned and orientated according to worship. And I have found in my 50 years of life that when I don't do that, stuff happens. And it gets chaotic. And it gets unmanageable. And I've realized in those times when I have done that and established where my true north is and I have an attitude of worship, you know what? Stuff still happens. But all of a sudden, I'm orientated with worship. And, I've ori and, and when I talk about worship, I'm not talking about just having praise 106.5 going on in your car. That's the, worship is your whole life. Worship is not just our two-hour service Sunday morning, but worship is every fiber of my body honoring and giving service to the king. It affects, and it's not just a lifestyle, it is life. And when you have that, what happens is it literally changes situations around you because now all of a sudden I've brought worship or my life or my reverence to the king into this picture and into focus and these things shift and change or the situation gets orientated because now what does God's word say? What am I responsible to the king for? How am I to respond to this? according to the word of God. And what I've done is I've brought my worship, my life, into this position. I would like to read from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and I found this interesting out of the NASB, the New American Standard version. I'm going to read it out of two versions. The first one will be the New American Standard, and the second one... Um, will be the message, just because I kind of in, am enjoying that right now. But in Romans 12, it says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, listen to this, your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. 
Presenting your bodies is an aspect of a spiritual service of worship. It's not just my vocal cords. It's not even just my thinking. But it's all my might is given to the king. And that's my spiritual service of worship. And then what I find interesting is you continue on. And it says, and don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Worship affects your mind, which affects your transformation. And when you change the way you think, and you start to change the way that your map is situated, and you put the true north on there, and you say, all the things that I'm doing in life now are going to be orientated according to what God's word says, according to my worship of him, all of a sudden, you change the way you think. And when you change the way you think, you change your life. And it says here, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. If you were to continue reading Romans 12, you'd find out that not only does that transformation happen and cause you to be transformed when you renew your mind, but it also tells you how to get along with each other. And it talks about being members one of another. It talks about don't think more. I find this amazing. He says, right after he says, be renewed in your mind, the next verse, verse 3, it says, and don't think high, more highly of yourself than you ought. Well, my mind is just transformed. I am renewing my mind into the mind of Christ. I'm thinking, of, oh, I'm so great. I'm so good. No, he says, don't think higher than yourself. The whole context You say, well, how does this act in worship? When we change our perspective, and part of what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to cause you to think so that tomorrow when something happens, before you react, you respond. And you'll respond because your mind is saying, no, Pastor David got on my case yesterday about worshiping God and everything I do. And my voice will resonate in your head, like Monique often tells me it does. And you'll say, what would Jesus do? Not what Pastor David, what would Jesus do? And all of a sudden, the response that you used to have is changed because you've orientated according to a life of worship according to the true north that everything I do is centered and based on and are built on worship and the king of kings and the lord of lords. My whole life is orientated according to him. And that is built on worship and subservice to him. Amen. Thank you, little fella. Where's your true north? I believe just about every one of us here, probably every one of us here, has something happening in our lives that is a little hectic, a little crazy, a little frustrating, 
a little, a little, and if you were to picture your life, because this is how I think, so if I was to look at my life right here, and if I'm looking at it, all of a sudden it starts moving and it starts going all, and, and, and it's starting, and things in my life are changing and this is happening and this. I have to, I have to maintain worship. Because if I don't maintain worship, all of a sudden I start running this way to deal with this and then I start running this way to deal with that. And then I realize that that thing that I was working on is no longer over there, but now it's moved. And, the, and, and you start going, you start chasing things. Now I'm huge on personal responsibility. I'm huge on that. But somehow we've replaced our responsibility to God with what we think we should do. I just want to get even. I just want to prove this point. Can't I just say, God, you're everything I want. You're everything. Every single thing I need is found in you. Every questions on the job. You've got the answer because you're smarter than me. Those frustrating days with my child. I love him, but I'd like to love him at a distance today. But he's got the answer. Every single thing I need is found in him. The moment he is not the one that takes care of it is the moment he is not my true north. That is the moment that I've taken that compass symbol off and I've said, I'm going to take care of this and I'll navigate through this myself. As a psychiatrist would say, stop it. Don't keep doing it yourself. But orientate. Adjust it. It doesn't necessarily mean it changes the situation, but all of a sudden God gives you ideas. He'll give you peace. He'll give you rest. He'll let you sleep at night. Because there's things that keep us awake at night. When you go to bed, if you think, well, I haven't done it all day, don't just go to bed then and say, well, I'm not going to worship. No, put your mind and your focus on him even when you go to bed. And you might say, well, I missed it out today and I messed up. Don't continue messing it up, but right the ship and put the north symbol on and say, it's worship. King of kings, Lord of lords, help me even as I sleep. He's a gracious God. much more gracious than we are. So in closing, I'd like just to read this out of the message. I, I just like the way it reads. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. 
Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Think about that. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Because what you're doing is you have faith. I trust, God, what you've done for me. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Oh, guilty. Readily, sorry, instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. And that's what metamorphosis does. It changes you from the inside out. And you literally become something new. Not new improved, something new. Not a better version of David. But literally, nature changes, characteristic changes, and the footprint or the fingerprint of God, sometimes it's the foot in the back of, from me, but the fingerprint of God starts to come into your life. So don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. North. Worship. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. This morning, our worship to me was so powerful and yet so simple. I mean, we had two, maybe three songs. But the heartbeat and the, the pulling of God, he was saying everything. Everything you need is found in me. And as we were worshiping, I just found orientate. Take that map and turn it. And all of a sudden, I can now see where I am. I now know where I'm going. I now understand where this is and where that is because I'm an attitude of worship, a life of worship. So if I can pray for you, I believe if you take this to heart, I believe you can change situations this week because your normal mode of response will be changed because now I'm worshiping and I'm coming from an attitude of worship, surrender, and honor to the king. And what the king demands and what the king says is how I will respond. And all of a sudden, that situation changes.
So I just want to pray for you this morning that this week you will hear the words worship and true north and you'll stop for a second and kind of do a recalibration. And it will only take a moment in your mind. It doesn't take 25 minutes. It just takes a moment in your mind and all of a sudden, shoo, no, the king, the king, the king. Worship, worship, worship. Amen? You close your eyes. I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask, Lord, that we would develop a passion for your presence, not just Sunday morning, but every day and every moment that we're awake. That our lives would reflect that worship is the north, worship is the orientation. Worship is what establishes the things I do, my reverence, my honor to the king through acts of worship, through expressions of worship, through an attitude of worship. And it, everything I do, Lord, is orientated according to you to worship the king of kings. So, Lord, I just ask that you would just quicken everybody here today. Bless them. And Lord, I thank you that you've broken every single chain. In your precious name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.